The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Good Times Red FM. Thanks a minute, Colm and Og there. If you're a Liverpool fan after hearing yesterday's news, well, hopefully we can lift the spirits in the unlikely event. However, you're a Maidstone United fan. I'm sure the spirits are already well and truly lifted. Guy Swindles has the full-time report from that one in Portman Road. Ipswich 1, Maidstone United 2. The team from National League South have pulled off one of the biggest shocks ever in the FA Cup. 98 places separating these sides before this match. Ipswich, well, they hit the post twice in the first 10 minutes, could have been out of sight, but they weren't. And Reynolds scored for the visitors just before the break. Looks as if Ipswich were back in it when Semiento equalised and it was business as usual. But there was another sting in the tail as Sam Corn race clear for another fine finish. After that, it was backs to the wall, but Maidstone held on. Ipswich won, Maidstone United two. And who said the magic of the cup was dead? In other fixtures from the FA Cup, Luton beat Everton 2-1 thanks to a last-minute goal from Woodrow. Leeds drew one all with Plymouth. Leicester City beat Birmingham City comfortably at 3-0 and Brighton hammered Sheffield United 5-2. Gaelic Games now. Huge congrats to the Rebelettes who beat Tip in the rag today on a scoreline of 1-10 to 9 points. Great to see them kick off their very National League Camogie season in style. Keeping with the Gaelic Games, I caught up with our very own Jer McCarthy earlier to preview Cork versus Donegal in the men's as well as Cork's LGFA clash versus Armagh in Park Hearing tomorrow. We are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench once again by our football correspondent, Joe McCarthy. We're previewing the Allianz Football League's first Division 2 Round 1 uh, tomorrow in Ballybuffet at 1.45. Cork take on Jim McGuinness's Donegal. Joe, what way do you see this one panning out? Oh, this is going to be an interesting one, Dan. Um, a lot of attention on this game as soon as the fixtures came out because of the return of Jim McGuinness in charge of Donegal once again. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very tight game and I think it's a game between two out of the three teams, the other one being Armagh, that I believe will go up from Division 2 this year if things go to plan. Um, having to go to Bally Buffet and being on the road, uh, it's a big journey. It's a tough one. But I think Cork are in a much better place than they were this time last year. Um, not so much to anything to do with results necessarily in winning the McGrath Cup, but I think just the additional players that have been added to the panel by John Cleary uh, before Christmas and now after Christmas, there just is that bit more settled look to the team. I know some regulars aren't starting or aren't down to start tomorrow against Donegal, but there's an infusion of youth and I think there's a settled defence and I think there's a real chance here. Look, if you're going to play Donegal away, play them in the first game, Dan because don't give them a chance to build up a head of steam and you might catch them cold. They'll be favourites when they're at home. They'll be favourites because of who their manager is um, and what they want. They want to go straight back up to Division 1. But if Cork are going to gain promotion out of Division 2 for the first time in seven years, they've got to go to places like this, like Louth, and they've got to win. Um, tomorrow will be very, very tight, very, very tough. There won't be much in it. But I'm hoping from what I've seen thus far that Cork can cause a bit of a surprise and get that first victory on the road. Yeah, do you think this really kind of is maybe a potential playoff to go up or down? I suppose this and the Armagh game are the are the two big ones. On paper, yes, I think it is. Um, I know a lot of people might kind of scoff at that, and that's not to demean at all um, the likes of Cavan, Fermanagh, Loud, 
and certainly Mead and Kildare, neither of them, the two Leinster teams, even there, would have much fear of playing Cork, having played them quite a lot over the last number of years. But when you look at the, the two squads and the, the depth of the squads, I suppose, of the entire league, Armagh and Donegal would probably have the strongest two panels, Cork not far behind, and then perhaps Mead. But you just don't know, Dan. You don't know. You know, there's always one or two surprise results. Big problem, as I've said countless times here on the Big Red Bench about Cork, is consistency. They've got to put in a consistent effort every week. They can't let their standards drop at any point if they want to finally get out of Division 2, get up to Division 1, where they really need to be playing the big boys week in and week out. Um, I do believe, though, when you when you consider the amount of players that won't be lining out for Cork tomorrow, that probably will come come championship time. It's a real opportunity, again, for the likes of David Buckley. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for the likes of Owen McSweeney, uh, Chris Oak-Jones, Conor Corbett, definitely to stake a claim of a starting place when the time comes for championship. But Cork have got to do it on a more consistent basis, week in, week out in the league. That's the thing I know John Cleary is asking for. They've got to be consistent with their kick-out strategy. They've got to be consistent with how they press. And they've got to have a wider range of scorers. I think the foundations are there for that. But the coming weeks will tell a lot just how close or how much Cork have improved since last year. Yeah, the Kerry footballer James O'Donoghue tipped um, Chris Oak-Jones as a player to watch out for for this year. What can you tell us about him uh, from your time seeing him? Well, I mean, I'm ageing myself here. I've seen Chris Oak-Jones come up through the underage ranks uh, for his club, Ied Leary, and certainly with Cork, he is a natural finisher. That's the one thing first about him. He's very like Mark Cronin. In and around the goal, in, inside the 21, he's always looking for goal. What I like about him this year, compared to other years, when he's been on the fringes of the Cork senior setup, is that he just looks that bit more settled physically. He's definitely been in the gym. He's certainly filled out. And on a, like having to deal with the likes of you know, the Kerry defences, the Donegal defences, the Armagh defences, you know you're going to get, it's going to be physical and you need to be able to match up with that. Chris has the ability, I think, over the last couple of weeks, definitely in the first couple of weeks of New Year, Dan, he's, he's definitely got his shooting boots on. He was really good against Waterford, very good against Kerry, and he's hungry. I mean, he wants, I think he's at a point now, whatever age he is, in his early 20s, he's seen enough of the Cork senior setup to know what's expected of him. Um, I think there's a corner forward position up for grabs this year. I really do. I think you'll see Brian Hurley and Sherlock probably slot in eventually as the starting full forward line. But that 13 or 15 jersey, the likes of Corbett, the likes of Mark Cronin, uh, and the likes of Chris Jones, if not Owen McSweeney, will be vying for that starting position come championship time. He's got the ability, I think, the scoring ability definitely to force his way into John Cleary's starting 15. But he's got to do it week in, week in and week out. Uh, in the National League. Now, he's got the nod against Donegal on Sunday, and that's interesting. Um, he's in ahead of Mark Cronin, who, even though I thought Mark Cronin played very, very well in the preseason tournament um, uh, in the McGrath Cup, and he's in ahead. I know McSweeney has dropped back in the Greenman is just at half-forward line, but Chris Oak is a finisher, and Cork need finishers, and they've got Corbett, they've got Chris Oak-Jones, they'll probably have McSweeney in there, and they'll have David Buckley as well on the 40. They need guys without... Brian Hurley and without Stephen Sherlock that can keep the scoreboard ticking over too many times in the last couple of years in big matches Cork have gone 10 minutes 11, 12 minute gaps with not scoring and that's got to change Chris Oak-Jones the Iblery man is one of those guys that can fix that and if he plays to a consistently high standard which I think he's capable of for Cork this year he could be a real find Yeah, do you expect to see uh, Sherlock and Hurley get a bit of a run out at some point great to see him back from injury obviously Yes, I would think from John Cleary's point of view, he'll have him in cotton wool if there's any lingering injury doubts. Now, I don't know if that is the case, but the fact that you see the two names, the St. Finbar's man, Sherlock, and Hurley on the substitutes bench, 
uh, or at least that's the team Dan that's been named yeah. um, I, I, I would hope that you might see them at some point I wouldn't necessarily think you'd see them just if Cork get into trouble um, something that was pointed out to me during the week like that Sherlock and Hurley are two of Cork's best free takers but in their absence David Buckley has stepped up to the mark in their absence Chris Oak Jones and Mark Cronin again has done that so Cork have an array of options when it comes to free taking so you know, the concern that we might be missing one of our best free takers against Donegal in a game people want to win and get get off to a positive start. I don't necessarily buy into that. It would be a real positive for Cork to get a victory in Donegal and have the likes of Sherlock and Hurley come off the bench if needs be. But um, I would rather not see them then if the two of them are carrying injuries and Cork would just get on with it for now without them and pick up a few wins. That would be the ideal scenario for John Cleary. Um, who knows? I think I'd be very, very surprised if we don't see one or either of them at some point at the Donegal game, if for nothing else, to get some minutes into the legs in the National League because it's not now that John Cleary needs them. It's it's championship. He needs the two of those guys um, bouncing off the ground and hopefully that would be the case. Yeah, you might have some insight. I don't expect a definitive answer on this. I mean, Bally Buffet, it's five, five and a half hours up the country. Do the team <laughs> stay the night before or do they do it in one day? Um, in the past, I think they have stayed over. And I know the Cork ladies footballers, um, when they played in Armagh last year in the All-Ireland LGFA quarterfinal in the box IT grounds above an Armagh, they stayed over the night before. Um, it, from a player's point of view, from a rest point of view, it's, it's pretty much a must. I don't know what the plans are for the Cork senior team. Um, but because it's such a long journey and Bally Buffet is, you know, once you get into Donegal, it's quite a, it's quite a journey not straightforward necessarily to get there. It's quite a winding journey, like the winding roads here in Cork. Um, it is. It, it, it's, it does take its physical toll um, on a player if you're not properly prepared. But look, I think Cleary and his backroom team have done this before. They've been up the north enough times to know what's required. From a personal point of view, um, I would prefer to go up the night before and get a good night's sleep. And then, you know, the journey is that bit shorter in the morning of the match itself. But whatever plan they've come up with, I think it's not something that they wouldn't have come across before. Always oh, a poor question, but final prediction yeah. for the match? Um, I'm going to be, you know, cautiously optimistic this year, not overly optimistic. I think I've seen enough from Cork. And again, I'm not saying it because they won the McGrath Cup. I'm saying it because of the kickout strategy, the pressing, and the additional players that are on the bench. If you look at the bench tomorrow, Daniel O'Mahony, if not agree, Derek Cashman. Kevin Flav, who's not starting, John O'Rourke, Mark Cronin, Cahill McGuire, Blake Murphy, who, who featured, and then Sherlock and Hurley. That's as strong a bench as Cork have had at the start of a National League for many, many years. The guys that have come in, David Buckley, Connor Corbett, Chris Oak-Jones, Owen McSweeney, and then you have the experience of McGuire, Colin McAllen, Rory Dean, and Brian O'Driscoll. It's a well-balanced team that he's picked. I think Cork are going to edge this. It won't be pretty necessarily. I think we're going to see quite a defensive game from both teams and I think it's going to be low scoring but I think Cork can get that victory and if they get the victory then it's exactly what they need because they're on the road again up to Lowe's the following week and there's some bigger tests or sorry not bigger tests but just as tough tests to come in the following weeks but a win on the opening weekend of the National League would be the boost I think that Cleary and, and this panel needs to kick on and finally get out of the division won't be pretty but I think they have the ability to do it Right I'll put my neck on the line I'll say, I'll say a draw I'll, I'll not really put my neck on the line <laughs> Uh, we'll move on now to the Little, little Ladies National Football uh, League. Uh, they're in the second round. They're playing Armagh, the Ladies Footballers in Parky Ring at one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, or which, uh, what way do you expect this one going? Oh, I'm looking forward to this one, Dan. If it doesn't come across, uh, what I'm about to say, these are two um, really, really good teams, really, really 
teams are packed with attacking talent. I'm looking forward to seeing Greg, Greg Gregory McGonagall is back in charge of Armagh this year. They won Division 2 last year. They're back up in Division 1. Um, Cork beat Armagh in the quarterfinals of last year's All-Ireland in Armagh and it was far, far from easy. Um, Gregory McGonagall has a huge amount of experience as a manager with, du- with Dublin, with Monaghan and at club level as well and in Ulster. So he's well respected. He knows what he's doing. He has got a talented team at his disposal here, none more so than Amy Mackin, who plays in the full forward line for Armagh, one of the best footballers in the country, male or female. Always a pleasure to watch her in action. They've also got an 11-time senior road bowling champion in Kelly Mallon, who's been really playing really, really well for them as well. This is a seriously good Armagh team, within not just intentions of staying up in Lidl, Division 1 Dan but intentions of causing some damage they got their campaign off to the best possible start with a 2-8 2-3 victory over Waterford and this is a Waterford team that have a lot of experience in Division 1 the last couple of years playing some really really nice football Mackin scoring 1-2 Kelly Mann with 3 points um, this is a really good Armagh team and it's going to test Cork to the limit in Park Earing tomorrow last weekend in 80 kilometre winds driving rain and a, in an orange weather alert um, I stood on the sideline and watched uh, Cork thanks to Katie Quirk, beat Galway, uh, won six to five points. I don't know if the match should have been played, but it went ahead. The Bishopstown GA 4G pitch, fantastic facility, is the only reason it did. Um, how much Shane learned from that, I'm not too sure, but it's a much changed Cork lineup um, because there's seven or eight players who are not involved for various reasons in this year's league. I think Shane was delighted just to get the three points on the board. Um, what he's trying to do is get a, another three points on the board tomorrow because the following weekend, Cork went on to Kerry. But look, this is a, a much changed Cork lineup in this year's National League. Winning is a good habit. They they got over the line against Galway in awful conditions. Katie Quirk is going to be very important tomorrow. A lot of newcomers into the team. Shauna Cronin, Aoife O'Neill, brand new midfield, played really, really well. But they're going to get an even bigger test than they did last week against Galway against this Armagh team because this is a serious, serious Armagh team that have intentions not just to do well in Division 1 this year, but in the All-Ireland Championship as well. It's going to be a cracking game at Parky Ring. Yeah, I know you were highly impressed with her, as you mentioned there, uh, Katie Quirk. She won as a player of the week, I believe, as well, which is absolutely uh, a testament to her. Yes, and she's a, from the Bright Rovers Club. She only she was on the fringes of the senior team last year. And look, it takes about it can take a while to finally settle into the team, but what she has done has gotten a consistent run now in the Cork senior team itself. Now, that's partially to do with the fact that, as I said, so many players, seven or eight regulars, will not be involved in the league this year for various reasons. So Cork have had to go and, and, and jig up their uh, their starting lineup. But, you know, you had um, you had the likes of Amy McDonough and Lydia McDonough, two player, two young uh, sisters from Nave Vaughan. They came into the starting lineup last week and did exceptionally well. I mentioned Aoife Healy and Shauna Cronin, the... Um, uh, Aerog uh, player in midfield she played very very well alongside Aoife Healy Katie Quirk on the 40 she had Ellie Jack and Cy Volieri Cy Volieri's just back after two years away travelling she's a Kinsale forward she played particularly well and Ellie Jack from Moran Abbey another very very talented half forward the full forward line was very interesting because Hannah Looney the dual star for Cork was on the edge of the square she normally plays midfield or in around the 40 for the Camogie team but she was full forward the last day Emma Cleary again another Aerog player a very very seasoned player knows exactly what she needs to do but I suppose the good news, Dan, um, apart from that, you know, very changed setup for Cork, although Katie Cork got all the scores on the actual day, there's plenty of scorers and shooters in that team. I think we'll see it more so tomorrow. Hannah Looney, uh, Cy Valeri, Lydia McDonough is a player as well. As I said, I mentioned her again. She came in and did really, really well in the corner. She's a player to watch. What was really encouraging, though, 
with the players that came off the bench. There was Emma Hurley from Island Rovers, there was Katie Redmond, there was uh, Katie O'Driscoll, um, and just those young players getting their first senior start in awful conditions, but getting to getting to know what it's like, Dan, to take a shoulder and a tackle at senior LGFA level. You have to experience it first before you can settle into the team. It took Katie Quirk a while, but she's settled now, and I think she's one of their starters definitely for the coming championship. She showed her class with the 1-6, but if they're going to beat Armagh tomorrow, Cork, they're going to need Lydia McDonough, they're going to need Hannah Looney, they're going to need Cy Valeri, Emma Cleary, and scores off the bench, because as I said, this is a very, very, very good Armagh team, well-balanced, but the signs are good. It's early days in the National League, same with the men's as well. It is very, very early days in the National League for Shane Renane. But the fact that he's got three points in the bank with such a change and such a young lineup as well um, is good news for Cork heading into the rest of the cha- uh, league and championship. Not to put words in your mouth, it sounds like you're feeling positive for Cork uh, football this weekend. I am, but I, I suppose I'm cautious. I'm, I'm probably more confident about the Cork ladies team than I am about the men's, but playing at home and playing in Parky Ring as well uh, Cork love playing there the Cork ladies football team um, it's certainly uh, a ground that they know well at this stage you know, they've played so many league games there and they'll be hoping you know, that a crowd comes out and gets behind them I, I, I do worry a lot anytime I see Amy Mackin or Kelly Mallon or the likes of those players coming around the corner you better be on your game because if you don't Armagh are certainly capable of winning tomorrow then that's the thing but I liked what I saw against Galway in those awful conditions. There's only so much you can learn. But what he saw was heart, what Shane Ronan got was heart, determination, and he got a doggedness in awful conditions and a really good Galway opponent. Cork found a way to win. Now they needed, um, as I said, they needed uh, Katie Quirk's 1 6. But when you've got the likes of Kate Redmond, Emma Hurley, uh, Katie O'Driscoll, as I mentioned, making their senior debuts, a lot of players come back into it. Cork were in a good place. That full back line as well Melissa Duggan, Libby Coppinger, and Derek Henry. They played particularly well. Um, and it, it's good to see that Cork, if Cork are beating the likes of Galway, albeit you have to take the weather conditions into account, with such a changed lineup, it bodes well for tomorrow. But I do worry uh, about the, the quality of the forward. They're really going to get tested tomorrow. I cannot wait to see how Libby Coppinger, who's now in the full back line, goes up against Damien Mackin. Will, you know, will uh, Melissa Duggan pick up Kelly Mallon? Does it, there's lots of different matchups around the pitch. It's going to be a fascinating watch. But Cork are in a good place and considering, as I said, the players that they've lost, um, they look settled and they, I wouldn't say they're ultra confident, but you know, if they were to win tomorrow, that would be maximum points from their opening two league games and they will need that because coming around the corner, and I know we're going to talk about it next week, is not the, the not-so-small matter of taking on Kerry, Downey and Kerry. So lots to look forward to. But I fancy Cork tomorrow because they're at home. But if they don't play to their absolute optimum, then uh, Armagh will win. OK, and you'll be reporting for us in Park Hearing? Yes, I will. Uh, looking forward to it. Lots and lots of content on the, um, as much as I can get out there anyway, uh, across the Big Red Bench X account, across social media. Uh, we'll have live updates and, of course, all the reaction as well to come from that particular game on the Big Red Bench between 6 and 7 on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Always look forward to seeing Cork, uh, Lady Senior Football Team playing and with such a quality opponent. If anybody is in around Cork tomorrow, I would absolutely urge them. Uh, it's a 1 o'clock throw-in. Uh, but definitely go and see these two teams. These are two teams that are going to be at the business end of the All-Ireland Championship 100% this year. So, cracking game and uh, cracking game. and looking forward to it. Joe McCarthy, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, best luck to them on Sunday. Get to Parky Ring if you can. To a bit of lacrosse now. And uh, I was delighted to speak to Amelie and Sony of the Big Red, a lacrosse team here in Cork who are looking to recruit new members. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by, I believe, uh, the Big Red Otters. Uh, Tony, is, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we are the the Cork, the Big Red. 
we named ourselves after um, uh, Richie Moran, who's a longtime uh, supporter of lacrosse in Ireland, but he also coached the Cornell University um, Big Red. So we named ourselves in uh, his honor. Uh, we'll have to have a look at that for copyright reasons here on uh, on, on the Big Red Bench. For, for people new to, new to lacrosse, what, I mean, what are the key, key ingredients that you need? Emily, I'll go to you here. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say it's probably the, it's usually called the fastest sport on two feet, but um, I'd say that a lot of the skills you need is obviously um, speed. Uh, there's a lot of like athleticism involved and just like, dodging and trying to get the goal and get through the defenders but um i feel like just especially in ireland there's a lot of transferable skills from like sports like camogie um in terms of like picking up the ball and you know just like defending and things like that so that's why i feel like especially lacrosse could become really big in ireland yeah is there much crossover between the players that would have done camogie and hurling in lacrosse Yeah, I would say so. I feel because I um, a few months ago, I actually was involved in camogie for a bit. And I noticed that they're also it's very similar to lacrosse in a lot of ways. And I feel like a lot of camogie players could also take up lacrosse if they wanted to. Very good. Very good. Tony, I suppose just about the history of the club, you kind of alluded to it there small. But what are the uh, origins of uh, Cork lacrosse? Oh, the origins of Cork Lacrosse are we launched in September. But prior to that, uh, you know, just to give everybody a background on the sport, it's a, it's a Native American sport. Um, it's a, a thousand years old, um, and it's it's deeply rooted in their. It's it's they define it as who they are as a people. It's part of their religion, but um, some European settlers. Uh, saw it in, in what is now Canada and thought it looked like a bishop's crossier. So they, they call it lacrosse. And so the, the game evolved from a Native American sport where they would have played um, for a week uh, against tribes. But now it's, uh, you know, they've, they've put some rules behind it. Um, actually, they put rules behind it because the, the Native Americans were just destroying the, uh, the settlers in North America. Okay. okay. They wanted to level the level the playing ground because they were getting destroyed. <laughs> I guess it sounds like hurling in many ways gets people from different uh, parishes playing against each other. Absolutely, and we actually we played a match in in Croke Park against the hurling team in 2019. Uh, something I've been working on in the side with the GAA, um, and and there's been about five or six matches, and three of them have ended in draws. Wow. Um, the matching, yeah, the, the the matching Croke Park was it was a German hurling team versus an Irish lacrosse team, and yeah, ended in a draw. It was uh, it was really good. It was part of the GA World uh, World Games that they brought in teams from all over the world to play Gaelic sports. That's absolutely amazing. And look, it's, they're they're not uh, Cork accents. I'm listening to anyway. Uh, what what brought you here to Ireland originally? Tony, I'll start with you. Well, for, for me, I met my wife in America uh, in about 23 years ago, uh, and I moved over in 2002. Um, yeah, so I am originally from Vermont um, in the U.S., but over the summer, I moved to um, Kinsale in Cork because my mother is from Yale, actually, so she just wanted to spend more time with family, and I might be going to university here, so it was just a lot that worked out with that. So I'm just doing my final year here. Very good. What, what are you thinking about doing in university? Uh, I'm thinking about doing engineering. So, 
Uh, yeah, just checking out college. And I'll stick with uh, you here, Emily. What opportunities has lacrosse provided you over the years? Um, I'd say most of like most of my closest friends I've met through the sport. Um, I feel like all the players who are involved in lacrosse are just like I don't know. I just met the nicest and the funniest people. Um, and I would say it's just provided a lot of travel opportunities for me as well, especially being involved in Ireland lacrosse. Because there's so many tournaments just throughout Europe and also just internationally, um, and yeah, I just I just love the sport. <laughs> well, I was speaking of which, I mean, you're heading to uh, Portugal in July for the women's Euros, and then the women's under twenties World Championships in Hong Kong. Yes, <laughs> very oh. excited for that. I mean, do you have to pay out of your own pocket, or is there money provided for the cross here? Um, it's mostly out of your own pocket, but we also try to do a lot of fundraising, especially for the World Under-20 Championships in Hong Kong, because it's kind of a big commitment to go out of Hong Kong, long flight. Very good, very good. And what um, key ways do you see getting an involvement in, in lacrosse here in Cork? I believe you're running a, a new program. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, Cork Lacrosse, we're just trying to do the six-week program um, starting very soon. And I think, Tony, for the past few months, we've just, uh, Tony's been really helpful in just setting up a lot of clinics to gather new players as well. So hopefully we'll have a really strong team soon too. Tony, you excited for uh, to see all the new players come in? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for, for anybody um, who wants to be involved. We'll be running sessions in Cork Harlequins Hockey Club starting July, or sorry, January 31st, and we'll be running that for six weeks. At the end of that program, we'll have some teams coming down from Dublin and Galway and Belfast potentially uh, to, to run some an open day and some clinics and to play some friendly matches. So that, that's the end goal. And if beyond that, if, if we uh, can grow beyond that, it would be brilliant. I think there's a lot of great um, athletes down here in Cork, and I think um, if we get the right people, um, we can have fun. We can be competitive. There, there's something for everybody. Yeah, is the team at the moment built up of um, mainly Americans, or is there a good mix of Irish uh, and US? I'd say a majority it's Irish. Uh, there's there's a handful of um, us Yanks sprinkled on the team, uh, but uh, it's mostly it's mostly Irish and, and then- a few other European. Uh, countries as well. Yeah, and do they pick it up easy enough, I suppose, as we alluded to there with Emily, uh, you know, camogie and hurling, um, two huge sports here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we ran a session back in September in Balancholic Regional Park with the help of the Cork Sports Partnership and James uh, James Kirby. Uh, give him a shout out. Uh, and by the second session, um, we saw a huge improvement. Uh, it, it It's a lot easier to pick up than people realize. Okay. I think. And I see it's going to become an Olympic sport in 2028. That must be very exciting for you, Emily. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's coming to the LA Olympics. Um, but it's coming in as a different form, so that'll be exciting too because I haven't really been playing any sixes lacrosse, which is basically just like a more accelerated version, like shorter, so like shorter shot clocks and last people on the field so that'll be fun I came to something like a five-a-side soccer is it yeah yeah it's just it's just more fast-paced and it brings like because there's two different disciplines there's like also box lacrosse and regular lacrosse and it just helps both sides kind of be involved as well and Irish team nationally should we be able to uh, compete for Olympic qualification hopefully 
Oh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Look, because lacrosse is also getting a lot bigger. So by 2028, I'm sure there'll be way more players than there are now. And there's already a lot. So, <laughs> Tony, ultimately, people, why should people come and play uh, lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. But um, the, the main reasons are it's camaraderie, it's friendship. You know, uh, we're here. We're going to help boost your confidence. We're going to motivate you. You're going to make friends. Um, you know, but ultimately, you know, there's any there's loads of different opportunities to come out and and be social or compete if you want that as well. Emily, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Um, yeah, I would say just meeting new people is also just one of the biggest things in, in being involved in lacrosse. But um, yeah, I feel like it also builds people's confidence, especially being involved in a team sport like lacrosse. And yeah, it's just a really fun sport to be a part of. Okay, Tony, and if people wish to uh, take part in this new program, where should people go and uh, get the details? So they can follow us on, on our socials. It's Cork Lax. That's uh, Cork, L-A-X, all one word. Uh, Lax is just short for lacrosse. So Cork Lax, you can find us on Instagram. Um, uh, that's probably the best place to get us. You can also just email us at corklax at gmail.com and we'll, we'll get back to you. And where uh, does the program begin? So it's at Cork Harlequins Hockey Club, uh, Wednesday, January thirty first uh, at eight pm for the first six weeks, and then we'll take it from there. If we if we've got a team, we'll continue. And all people need to bring is runners, gum shield, and of course a water bottle. Yeah, we have loads of uh, equipment. Uh, it's just the stick that you need, and we have loads. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. Really appreciate it. Oh no problem. Thank you so much. Thanks. Great stuff. Thanks a million to Tony and Emily there. Halftime in Kerry's clash versus Derry and the scoreline is Kerry four points to Derry's eight. Dan Casey here on the big red bench on Red FM. After the break, I'll be chatting to Matthew Hurley about Super Value Park slash Parky Cueve and we hear Rory's chat with Martin Fenton. Stick around. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Do a bit of athletics now and the Karen Finton Memorial 5k takes place on March the 3rd in Ballinora The event will raise funds and awareness for ovarian cancer Ireland Karen passed away from ovarian cancer and her family set up the race not only to raise awareness, but to keep Karen's memory alive. Red FM are proud partners of the race and have been for a number of years. Rory has been speaking to Karen's brother, Martin Fenton, who also serves as the race director. Delighted to be joined on the line by Martin Fenton, head of the Karen Fenton Memorial Run, which is happening Sunday, March 3rd, with a 12.30 start. Martin, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Rory. Delighted. Yeah, yeah. And delighted to, um, to, to be on board again. Um, Red FM has supported the Karen Fenton Memorial Run over the last number of years. It means a lot um, to us uh, as an organisation to be involved with the run. Um, can you tell us first off just a little bit about Karen and I suppose Karen's story? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Karen had a, a very aggressive ovarian cancer illness. Um, would have been February 2017 when she was diagnosed. And um, it got progressively worse over the course of two months. And unfortunately, she passed away in April 2017. Um, so it, I suppose the main story, our legacy of Karen, I suppose, is that throughout that difficult illness, um, you know, she she remained hopeful. You know, she I think she really did expect that she was going to get better. 
Um, she, you know, in talking to her family, she mentioned on numerous occasions that, um, you know, when she was going to get better, she was going to um, she was going to do her utmost to, to try and help other women in the, in, the, in that predicament. You know, and um, so I guess following on from that, you know, myself and um, my my family, we decided to set up this current this charity, current Foundation Brain Cancer Fund. Um, and we participated in a lot of events over the following few months, like triathlons and things like that. Karen, Karen was an avid triathlete. Um, she was a member of a club, Piranha Triathlon Club in Dublin. So I suppose that's that's how it all started, really, was was those events through through the summer in 2017. And probably helped a lot with our grieving process as well. You know, we were we were going to all these events and training for these events as a family. Um, and, um, and then, you know, we decided we wanted to do something uh, annually to... To mark Karen and, and to remember her, and that's the Karen Fenton Memorial, Run, which we've hosted annually since 2018. Now, I was going to say, just touched on it there, Martin. I suppose it couldn't have been easy for you as a family to, I suppose, start this, but again, just keeping Karen's memory alive. I suppose the driving force in all of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's um, you know, it's it's hard to believe that it's 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 now nearly seven years since Karen passed away. You know, uh, the, the the time has moved on really really quickly uh, you know it's, it's obviously always going to be very hard for us we're always going to remember Karen um, and um, you know by doing this run by organising this event by doing this fundraising uh, we are remembering her and I think that's it's important for me and my siblings uh, but I think it's particularly important for my parents you know uh, Exactly and as you mentioned uh, Karen a keen triathlete obviously very well into her fitness which I suppose just shows you that ovarian cancer like it can strike anyone at any time you can't share anyone, and um, it's you know that's probably one of the things. One of our one of our goals with setting up the charity was to raise awareness um, and also the funds for uh, for research and so on and so forth. But the awareness is a big part of it, you know. Um, you know, like Karen, I suppose um, we don't know how long she this illness was starting to develop before it was actually diagnosed, and who knows, it might have been there for a while. And I think it's very important that uh, women and men, anybody really, listens to their body and. And realizes that you know if to to get checked, um, you know to uh, it's very important, you know, um, that anybody could come down with, with one of these illnesses, and we just all have to be mindful of it and uh, and make sure that we try try and get try and get it checked as, at the earliest possible time, really, you know. And I suppose as well, like the awareness that you've raised around ovarian cancer over the last number of years has been tremendous, which must I suppose. Um, make you all, I suppose, the, a little bit happy that I suppose that you can do this and, and push the the awareness, put ovarian cancer to the front of people's minds. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, exactly, and you know, through through the through the Karen Fenton Memorial Run, we're doing that. Um, through the uh, we 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 one of our our, our major um, goals for our fundraising was to help with the purchase of a cancer sequencing machine for CYH. Um, that's been in commission now for at least two years, probably a bit, bit longer. COVID, COVID slowed that, uh, but uh, but it is in use. And you know, even even in the the months after it was commissioned, you know, we we were speaking to um, to people in Science UH, and they were, you know, it was already making a huge difference there. Um, so that particular machine is, um, you know, it, it it analyzes cancer mutations, and it allows for more precise treatments. You know. Um, so it, so it's it's very beneficial to Cork and the Munster region to have a machine like that, um, you know, rather than uh, uh, consultants and doctors sending results to Dublin or the UK, um, they, um, they 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 have the results there on site within hours, um, and it just means that 
you know, you're you're helping cancer sufferers, sufferers and their treatment. Um, and it's all about time. You know, you just need to do it as quickly as possible. So. Exactly. And you can help by standing up for the Karen Fenton Memorial Race on March 3rd. Um, as you, as race director, I know from personal experience that helping to organising a race it can be quite stressful. How are you finding the whole process? You know what? It's, uh, I suppose the, 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 the it, it gradually gets a little bit easier as as as, as the events go on. You know, um, we've got a formula. We, we're, we're sticking to the same kind of uh, um, same same uh, run of the events as as we have for the last few years. We've got a great uh, a great support from yourselves. You know, so thanks to Red FM for for being our media partner again this year. We've got great support from the community, from our, our local GA club, uh, from St. Finbar's Athletic Club as well. Um, so thanks to everybody who supports us and, you know, that the volunteers on the day, of course, you know, we, we need volunteers for, for helping out with um, the catering in the hall at Race, Race HQ uh, um, and with um, with the uh, the marshalling for parking and, and the marshals, of course. And Martin, I suppose um, the 5K is a, a nice distance because of the tracks and very, very good runners, but it's also a perfect di- a distance for for intermediate runners, beginners, beginner runners and, and walkers as well, which is very, very important. Absolutely. I think I think that's a key part of um of of you know or what we'd like to get out of the race. You know, it's a community event. It's it's a it's a it's a nice little race for any avid athletes out there who want to run us and who are competitive. Absolutely, you know, re- register first and get timed. Um but but also we want we want anybody who wants to participate, whether they want to run, walk, you know, bring your buggy, bring your dog, whatever you want to do, there's there's absolutely no problem at all. Um, it's 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 a fun event. It's a fun event, you know. And we, we want we'd, we'd like to see as many people there as possible um, to help us to remember Karen, you know. Um, but absolutely, for those who, uh, who who want to participate and compete, um, you know, it's it's a nice little five k five k event. How would you describe the course, Martin? Um, it's a bit hilly. It's a bit hilly, uh, undulating, un- undulating. Um, there, there's it's it's a five k loop from um, near uh, Balnora uh, Church and School. Um, there's a small section at the very start of that loop which we cut out to, to keep it to the exactly 5k. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll anybody who they might thank me for cutting out that small little bit of a, a hill at the start. But after that, there's a there's a bit of a gentle gentle incline, a few little dips around the um, the three 4k mark, um, and then there's a nice little finish where there's a good bit of a downhill that probably lulls everybody into a false sense of security that they're they're nearly there. Uh, but then there's a bit of a climb just at the end. So, whenever I hear a race director say there's a gentle incline, it normally means it's not that gentle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think a lot of people like 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 the course, you know. Yeah, and looking yeah. forward to running it myself. No, I have to say. Um, yeah. If people want to to sign up, Martin, how do they go about it? Yeah, so it, it's on Eventmaster. Um, so what I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll share the, the the link with you. Um, Unfortunately, we ran into an issue with our website, which we will be addressing as soon as possible. So normally we direct entrance to go to karenfinton.e, but we ran into an issue and unfortunately you can't update that website right now. So that's that's just something we'll, we'll, we'll get cracking on, on soon, you know. Uh, but um, but there's an event master link and um, I'll, I'll, and you can go to our website or our Facebook page, uh, Facebook um, forward slash, facebook.com forward slash karenfinton ovarian cancer fund. Um, and from there, you'll see some of our latest social media posts and you just click on the event master link. But I'll share it with you as well, Roy, uh, right after we finish here. Do you guys do um, on-the-day registrations or is it all in advance? We do. Yeah, on-the-day registrations. So um, online registrations will be taken right up until... So the, the event, the run is on March the 3rd. 
we'll be taking online registrations right up until uh, the, the Friday. We need to close then so we can just get the get get the um, the registrations together um, so we can provide them to our timing company. Um, but anybody who hasn't registered before that can come down on the day, the morning of the 3rd and can register there in, in, in our race HQ, which is Balnora J Hall. Excellent, man. I'm really looking forward to running in it. It's the Karen Fenton Memorial Run 5K race happening March 3rd. And as Martin said, details are available on Eventmaster if you want to sign up from there. Looking forward to seeing you on the day, Martin. Great. Thank you very much, Rory. I appreciate that. Thanks for your support. Thank you so much to Martin. Be sure to get involved for a great cause if you can. You're listening to Big Red Bench on Red FM. Now, earlier today, I caught up with Matthew Hurley, also known as the Gaelic Statsman, to chat about the Super Value Park slash Parky Cueve debacle. I enjoyed this one. I hope you do too. Delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Matthew Hurley, also known as the Gaelic Statsman, to chat about the potential renaming of Parky Cueve. I suppose, Matthew, what were your initial thoughts when you when you first heard the breaking news, ah uh, yeah, Dan, it was uh, quite disappointing, really. When when you looked at like uh, the Queeve name kind of going in the bin was kind of disrespectful to the family. You you would kind of guess why Parker Heave were willing to bring in a sponsor in many ways. Super Value were willing to you know put their name forward, and Parker Heave does need the money. Like it's well documented, thirty million euro debt, which is a huge debt for uh, the Cork County Board to overcome. Um, they tried a few things, like having Monster Rugby games in there, having concerts like Ed Sheeran, and that sparked the Parky Key Ring of Nowhere debate with uh, Cork and Kerry a few years ago, of course. So they tried all of them things. They're now trying with this. It didn't go down well, obviously, because of you know the Aquive name being put in the bin and all that. And even um, there's a bit from Humphrey Kelleher's book, A Place to Play, about Parky Key. Um, it said Patrick O'Keefe was the architect of the modern GA, and it it kind of, it's it's kind of putting that name in the bin, which is kind of a shame. It really is. You could get why Cork County Board were trying to get super value on site and sponsorships on site, but it didn't dead well in the media. And I think they ultimately made the right decision in kind of postponing naming of Super Value Park in many ways. They kind of retracted us uh, the night the night later, which was probably the right thing to do uh, given the backlash online. Yeah, do you think it's just the fact that it was Super Value Park and not Super Value Parky Creeve that was the real issue? I think it was just Super Value Park, yeah, in many ways. I think it was just um, the Creeve gone out of the name. If they named it Super Value Parky Creeve, I think there would have been a different outlook on it. But the fact it was Super Value Park, I mean, it, it sparked a lot of controversy. When you look at stadiums up and down the country, FBD Simple Stadium, TUS Gaelic Grounds, Glennon Brothers, Pierce Park and Longford. You see all these names of stadiums. They have the sponsorships, but they have the names in it at the end as well. And Parky Heave didn't do that. The Car County Board didn't initially, initially do that, which was kind of a shame in many ways. And yeah, I think that was what uh, sparked the whole controversy. And it wasn't just people in Cork. I think it was just up and down the country. People were just annoyed at this be named Super Value Park. Like, you see some Kerry fans' reactions over this as well, and they were saying it was a shame. Even I was chatting to a few Dublin lads, they were saying it was a shame. It's just a shame for the whole GA community in many ways because Patrick O'Keefe was a main man for the GA um, up and down the country, not just in uh, Cork circles. Yeah, I suppose big worry people have is kind of maybe the sanctity of the GA is... Uh... You know, it's, it's lost there a small bit because is Croke Park going to be, you know, if they build up a bit of a debt, will that be the name and that ever changed? I mean, you can imagine the uproar of that and in 40, 50 years time, are you going to have, 
I don't know, the, the AIB Hogan stand or something, like, where does it actually end? Oh, I don't know. And, um, like, it, it's probably not in the ethos of GA in many ways. And, like, it, it, it's a question, when does it end? Like, you even see it with, um, with professional sports, like rugby, like um, Irish Independent Park or Mosgrave Park, whatever it was called. It was named, um, I think, Vertibedia Park a few weeks ago, and that caused a bit of uproar, not as much uproar as this now, but it's kind of an element that the game of GA is kind of getting more for professional and people don't like that same professionalism element to it. Like, it takes the amateur organisation things out of it. And so you put up a tweet, um, I think, last week, and it reacted to the news. You may as well call Crow Park Arnold's Arena if you're going down that route because it's just... It's gone ridiculous in many ways. And, um, yeah, it's just um, disrespecting Patrick O'Keefe. And if Cork County Board didn't consult the O'Keefe family about this, it's even more disgraceful, in my opinion, as well. And, yeah, it's it's kind of a shame that the GA is going down this route in many ways. And, um, yeah, as you say, when's it going to stop? It's kind of um, it's kind of a mystery when it is going to stop. Yeah, and no, I suppose once it, once it does get that name, it's never going to go back to just Park O'Keefe. I mean, you'd imagine another sponsor comes in at the end of Super Value's tenure and then, you know, it's something else so it'll never go back. Yeah, you could you could imagine, you could imagine even the more uproar if this happened a few years ago, Dan. Imagine if Chill Insurance Park was a thing. That would have been huge uproar in many ways. Like, uh, the fact that it's Super Value, like, I've, I've talked to so many people about this and maybe there is a positivity if you want to bring a bit of a, a positive spin on this. Because Super Value are the sponsors of the Cork LGFA team. I know Cork LGFA and GA are, are wide apart in many ways, and Camogie is as well. But the fact that Super Value took on the sponsorship of the ladies' football team and had developed the ladies' football team over the last few seasons, I think it was probably the right sponsorship deal to go with, rather than Chill Insurance or any of those sponsors in many ways. But um, but yeah, it's it's still... It still caused a bit of uproar, rightly so, in my opinion, as well, because like it kind of epitomizes the way GA is going at the moment, and it's it's not a pretty sight. Yeah, do you think it's worth it to get that uh, quarter of a million reportedly uh, a year to sell the stadium name rights? In many ways, it is it, to a certain extent, but. Like even when you look at um, the way Cork GA could gain more revenue in the off season, like I was speaking to James Brady from Unclear on my own podcast about this, and he was saying that Cork GA need to do something in the off season. They need to have more concerts, need to have more rugby games, for example. I know I think there's a Monsters and Crusaders game next week that will gain more revenue. That's a start. But what Cork GA need to do is, as Seamus rightly said, get busy in the off season have concerts, have rugby games, rather than putting a name in the bin, in my opinion. I think that's the right way to go about things. And another thing as well, even look at club championships up and down the country, they don't necessarily play their club championship games in the primary stadium. You look at the Kerry County Championship, the final day was in Tralee rather than Killarney. You look at Dublin, the finals are not in Crow Park, they're on a parallel park. And ultimately, number one, they give a bit more atmosphere to the club championships in hurling and football. And number two, Parky Heath would have more of an opportunity to fix the €30 million euro debt. I know it won't go away instantly. It won't go away for, I, I would imagine, up to 10 years or even more than that. But it might be a start to have the club championships maybe in Parky Rin, hold them in Parky Rin, and grounds up and down the country like in Mallow, Clannacilty, etc. And maybe have concerts and monster games in Parky Heave in the off-season. That could work for Cartier without 
you know, gaining uproar amongst fans up and down the country. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a hard say a stadium to sell out. Like, how often is it actually ever going to be at full capacity? I mean, you're going to have, what, two monster hurling games and then you're probably two concerts a year. The problem is the stadium's just not used. That's the problem, yeah. And you'd imagine the Munster Rugby game will be a sellout next week. The Munster Hurley games in the suburb against Clare Limerick, I'd imagine, are going to be a sellout. But as much as... I know John Clare is doing well with the Cork footballers at the moment. They're progressing well. But right now, Dan, Cork and Kerry is not going to sell out Parky Keith. And neither is Cork and Limerick or Cork and Roscommon even last year. There was a good atmosphere there, don't get me wrong. But that won't gain revenue through the gates as much as Cork J would hope. And that's the main thing with this. And I think they need to do more on the off-season. They need to have more concerts. They need to have more rugby games. And they gain a bit more revenue, in, in my opinion, as well. And um, I don't think football games in Cork are the right way to gain more revenue. Yes, yes, have them in Parky Key for games against, I, I, would, I don't know, Dublin, Kerry, maybe in the next few years, if Cork, the fo- Cork footballers gain more of an insight into, into uh, the All-Ireland Championship, then maybe the Dublin and Kerry games could sell out in years to come. But right as of now, as Cork are Division 2, I don't think Cork football games are going to sell out, whereas the Cork hurling games are. But that's only that's only a bit. They need more rugby games. They need more concerts. And I know it's easier said than done, but maybe Cork J need a bit of a plan in the off-season to, to you know, get get ready to, to get rid of the debt in many ways. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. I certainly do. I suppose, well, we had a bit with uh, Joe McCarthy earlier anyway, but we'll do a small bit of a preview with yourself. How do you see the Cork footballers uh, getting on this Allianz League? Yeah, I think it should be a good Allianz League. I think the main aim for Cork is to get promoted. And look, it's going to be tough. Armand Donegal are two excellent sides. Donegal, obviously, with Jim McGuinness's going to be a tough one to overcome as are Mead I think Mead are, are going on very nicely with their young players in the team after their Talton Cup win last season it's going to be very tough for Cork and made even tougher with the fact that they have I think it's uh, four away games this year two of them in Ulster against Fermanagh and Donegal Donegal tomorrow obviously so that's going to be very very tough for them do I think Cork are capable of getting promotion possibly so I think they're, they're in the right state to get promoted. Like they did very well against Roscommon and very well against Mayo last year. The thing was, they backed up that Mayo win with a game against Roscommon, another Division One side, and beat them. And that was the key thing for the Cork footballers last season. But I do think promotion is the main aim for them. Do I think they'll get it? Probably not. They need to get more consistency. And probably not the game tomorrow against Donegal. That's going to be a hard game um, regardless. But the next four games after that against Cavan, Fermanagh, Kildare and Loud, I think that those are four must wins for the Cork footballers. I know it's a hard thing to do to get wins against those particular sides, but if Cork football are very serious in getting promotion from Division 2 to Division 1, they need to beat those four sides. And especially Kildare at home, they failed in that aspect against me last year. They can't do so again this year, in my opinion. But it, John Cleary's side are going along very nicely and we'll see how the season goes. Yeah, I mean, not to disrespect the other counties uh, you mentioned there, but it feels like a bit of a playoff tomorrow between Cork and Donegal, and then obviously Armagh will be uh, to make it the, the three-way, really. 
Yeah, exactly. So, like, our man, Tony Gall, they've been in Division 1 for years now. Tony Gall, our very good sider, Jim McGuinness, developing well. And even, look, at Potter Bogan and Ryan McHugh coming back into the team, they'll be very, very strong tomorrow. Our man, obviously, all our quarterfinals two years in a row. And worth noting as well, they only lost them all our quarterfinals on penalties. So... When our mark comes down to Parky Heave on match day seven, that's going to be a tough game as well. But we can't discount, I know our man Duddy Gall were Division 1 for years, but we can't discount teams like Kildare and Meath either. I know they're probably underachieving in many ways in the last few seasons, but they have a lot of young players coming through. Kildare won the under-20 All-Ireland last season for a reason. Meath won the Taunton Cup and they've gained, gained a lot of confidence under Colum O'Rourke. So Cork have to be wary of those sorts of teams as well. Let's not forget Cork lost to Meath last year. They lost to Loud. They have to rectify those mistakes to even get close to promotion this season. I think they are capable of it. The execution is another um, thing for John Cleary's side. Yeah. Who are the top three players, you would say, on this Cork side that we should be watching out for this season? I think Patrick Doyle would be an interesting player to watch out for considering the the evolution of the modern-day goalkeeper. It'd be interesting to see who John Cleary will actually choose. Will he choose Michal Martin, the safe option, the very good shot stopper? Or will he choose Patrick Doyle, who goes out with the ball quite a lot, who's very good in his distribution and is comfortable with the ball in his hands? I think Chris O'Jones will have a very good season in the forwards. Like He looked very lively now last week in the McGrath Cup final against Kerry. Would be the Cork badly need a forward to score freely from play. Can he be that man? And another one actually, and I've seen him take freeze now the last day against Kerry, and he was very, very good from uh, Newstone. David Buckley, I thought he was very, very good uh, from place balls. And Cork need a guy to knock over freeze and um, free in, free out. And they didn't necessarily have that last year. Sherlock and Hurley are very good forwards. Don't get me wrong. But they didn't do really well from Freeze as much as the likes of Dean Rock from Dublin or David Clifford from Kerry. And that's where Cork need to get to. And I think David Buckley's capable of getting 100% shot accuracy from Freeze. So, yeah, it should be a very interesting season for those three players in particular, in my opinion. You are you are the Gaelic statsman, of course, and I suppose the one that jumped out to me the last time was that Cork lost uh, 47% of their own kickouts against uh, Kerry in the McGrath Cup. What was the uh, reasoning, do you reckon, behind that? Was it the distribution of uh, Doyle or was it something else? I think in many ways it was the, the kickouts of Doyle and they need a kickout. They, they need a kickout plan more than anything. They need, like, it's not, it's no good just having two midfielders. Like, Colin McCallum and McGuire are two excellent um, man mountain figures in the middle of the park. But they need more players to join in the midfield in many ways. Killian O'Hanlon from half forward, Rory Dean needs to come in there as well. They need big guys in and around the middle to claim the ball. And a lot of big sides are doing it. The likes of Kerry, Dublin, Mayo, Galway, a lot of those sides have a lot of big men around the middle. And that's why I think why I think Cork need those big guys around there. And the distribution's another thing as well. And another thing that jumped out to me, Kerry had, I think, the only last three kickouts last week in the Barack Cup final. And the reason for that really was because Cork didn't push up on them. I think they need to push up on the likes of Donegal now tomorrow. They need to push up on the likes of Armagh to put pressure on the kickouts. And look at Woke last year against Ross Roscommon, if you remember, Dan. They pushed up on the Ross Common kickouts. That's where the Conor Carver game, uh, goal came. And Cork need to do that more this season to gain more to gain more of um, to gain more of an upper hand of the likes of Ross Common, the Mayo's, the Galways of this world, and they get more wins on the board. So Cork need to do well on the opposition kickouts by pushing up on them. And they need to have more of a kickout strategy to push further on if they want to 
if they want to win more games in the Munster Championship in the Division 2 campaign and ultimately in the All-Ireland Series. Yeah, you're a, you're a stout Cork uh, football supporter. How, over the last few years, have you seen this team progress? Are, are you ha- very happy with that progression? I'd have to be reasonably happy, yeah. I, th- I think they've progressed really well. Well, When you consider, actually, I think it was uh, seven years ago, I went down to Fraherfield uh, when Cork played against Watford. We only beat them by a point, and that was a dark night for Cork football. And I was thinking, is this team ever going to recover, even in 2018, getting hammerings off Kerry and Tyrone? I know there was that uh, win over Kerry in 2020, but maybe that was a bit of a flash in the pan. Last year was a year of progression, clearly. Like the wins over Mayo, the win over Roscommon, it was two Division One sides in a row. I think it was absolutely brilliant. The way they got those wins as well, the way they performed. And even against Derry, there was still a lot of learning curves. I know there was a lot of progression last season, but they had under 40% shot accuracy in Crow Park last season. That's an aspect they need to improve on to go further into the championship to compete with the likes of the Derrys, the Galways, the Kerrys, the Dublins in future years. But ultimately, yeah, I'm happy with uh, the way Cork football is progressing. And as well as that, the younger players coming into the team, the likes of Conor Corbett, Carlo Manny, Mark Cronin, Blake Murphy, they're staking their claim more to the team now. And that's a good sign to see too, too uh, with the Cork footballers. And John Cleary, he's doing an excellent job. Kevin Walsh in the background team as well. So I'm happy with the progression with the Cork footballers, but they need to have a good year this year to you know, state their claim even more. Matthew Hurley, thank you so much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. Hopefully a big year ahead for the Cork footballers. Thanks very much, Dan. Thanks uh, for your time. And that's all, folks. Thank you so much to our brilliant contributors and thank you for listening and staying with us for the hour. But do not go anywhere. Stevie G is playing all the best hits on the block party. Dan Casey signing off on this week's Big Red Bench on Cork's Good Times, Red FM. Talk soon. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.